Gaslight, Chapter 4 Violet Knight is so ugly, she looks as if she has a false nose. Her eyebrows are drawn in high above where a person's eyebrows naturally should be, and her mouth is a tight purple slash across her face. So far, I've been shown to her like a cut of pork hanging in a butcher's, and she has eyed me up and down before being led away on her grand tour by Sid who turned back to glare at me as if I'd done something wrong, which I probably have. I want you to do something for me, little girl. Constance, the magician's assistant, has also arrived and it seems her secret talent is impersonations. She has Violet Knight down to a T. Ah, yes, I am Miss Violet Knight. I am from some never-heard-of country, somewhere out there in the unlucky world. I walks about quickly to avoid the stinks of the normal peoples. Constance paces the room as if she has a broom handle stuck up her bum. Her lip curls as she pretends to smell me. I have eyes in the back of my head. She purposely walks backwards into the wall and then rubs at her scalp. I am weak with laughing so much, I can hardly breathe. Stop! Please! I can't take any more! It's the truth. I have so little cause for laughter these days, I'd forgotten how much effort was involved. I talk to the dead. There's a head of a mannequin in the corner and she boots it across the room. You, you dead peoples, get up. Stop being so lazy. My sides are aching. I think Constance is delighted to have such an avid audience. She's already told me she thinks she is wasted as a magician's assistant. She puts a penny in her eye socket and tries to hold it there, pretending it's a monocle. It keeps slipping out and watching her scrabble about on the floor for it just makes me laugh harder. Where are you, dead peoples? I can't find you. Stop hiding from me, you naughty dead persons. She stretches her hands out in front of her. When I get hold of you, dead peoples, I will bore you with my completely made-up powers. She makes a grab for me, and though I try to run away, there isn't far to go in my room. I should call it our room now. Are you a dead person? You feel a bit warm to me. I like Constance already. She arrived this morning and as soon as I met her, we started laughing. She doesn't seem to be phased by anything. She told Sid we needed some time to get to know each other. Then, when we got to my room, she said I looked dead on my feet so I was to go to sleep for a couple of hours while she got settled in. She's refused to take my bed and said she'll manage with the old sackcloth thing that Sid had intended me to use. I didn't put up much of an argument. It's only a mattress on top of some broken pallets, but my bed is one of the only things I count as mine. When I woke up from my nap, I was happy to see she was still here. Constance is savvy in a way I hope to be one day. What's London like? I've always wanted to go there, and Constance has travelled all over. A 
It's Big Nan. She sits on a crate, then beckons me over to curl her hair into loops. And it's dirty. There's more people there than you can possibly imagine. And it smells really, really, really bad. Sounds wonderful. She laughs at me. I laugh too. I suppose it must seem weird to want to go to somewhere that smells so awful. You feeling a bit better? She observes me in the blotchy mirror. Much. My head has stopped bleeding. My lip hasn't swollen as badly as it could have. My arms are covered by my dress and if I can't see the bruises, I can't really feel them hurting as much. I say, my mother is missing. Oh, Petal. She's only half listening and I can tell that she doesn't really register what I say. So great is her concentration on showing me where to pin her hair. To take my mind off my troubles, I begin to imagine myself on the London stage, taking my final encore posies rain down on me. The smell of success fills the auditorium, alongside lavender perfumes and earthy pungent cigars. I come back from the daydream to find that she's pleased with my work. Right to you, Nan. We better get up there to that sod. We make our way to the stage. I'm dressed as a small child again. Constance is lucky that she's allowed to dress as a woman. She's not that much older than me, but she clearly has a world of experience that she wears like armour. Let's have a quick smoke. She stops on the stairs and pulls a clay pipe from a pocket in the side of her skirt. Never be without debt. Her wink crinkles the side of her eyes, betraying years of mischief. I don't, but thanks. If I'm honest, it makes me feel like I'm going to catch fire. I tried it once, and I swear it took the skin off the inside of my esophagus. I might go on up. I've seen Sid's reaction to people being late. Listen. She takes a deep puff and releases it in rings. The tobacco burns bright then smoulders. <sighs> you have to learn how to control men like Pernicious said. She titters at the name as she says it. You have to learn how to play them like a violin. It's not the same for me. Sid has known me too long. He practically brought me up. Dragged you up more like. I take a bit of offence at this. I've done pretty well, all things considered. But I like her, and we've only just met. I don't want to fall out with her already. I have to share a room with her, and I'm all for trying to make my life a little bit easier. I giggle, but it's false. I check about us, and try to waft her smoke so it disappears. He'll kill you for smoking down here. He's really strange about it. He's really strange about everything. But point taken, I'm not really ready to be killed just yet. She laughs, then coughs so hard she has to thump herself in the chest. Hey! I almost jump out of my skin as B appears from nowhere. B, you didn't have give me a shock. Can't you get heavier boots or something? It is a gag between us that she is as quiet as a mouse and able to sneak about undetected if she chooses. You should give up smoking. It's not good for you. 
Even though she looks the picture of innocence, I can tell by B's voice that she hasn't taken to Con. I give her my best behave look. She retorts with an even sweeter smile. Don't be silly, duck. The pharmacist told me it'd clear my chest. Well, you shouldn't smoke down here because that's definitely not good for you if Sid finds out. It's like the smoking police here, innit? Constance hacks again, then wheezes. This is Beer Lulla. I smile sweetly back at B and get a twack across my arm for it. She likes to be called B because everyone thinks her real name makes her sound soft, and she certainly isn't. I narrowly dodge another thwack. That's alright. I like to be called Con. I'm not sweet neither. Constance stubs her ash out with her thumb. Anyway, thanks for the warning, doll. I'll be careful not to be caught. Right, we better get up there for that great pathetico we'll be having kittens. She's talking about the magician she works with. She's already complained that his tricks are old hat, which is a shame, as I like magic when it's good. I hoik up my little child bloomers. Constance taps the remains of her pipe out of the window, and we hear a yell from someone who must have been standing below. Come on! Shrieking with laughter and tossing her hair over her shoulder, Constance grabs hold of my hand. Bye, B. See you later. I don't want B to think that Constance could ever replace her as my best friend, so I make a face behind Constance's back. It makes B laugh, but I feel immediately guilty. I prefer to be nice to people when I can. We race up the stairs, looking behind us, dramatically, as if someone with a singed head is going to be right at our heels, just larking about for the hell of it. When we get to the side of the stage, we are sweaty and breathless, and the great Pathetico is already waiting on stage with a saw in his hand, seemingly dumbstruck by the lack of a woman to saw in half. I'm fashionably late, as usual. Constance struts onto the boards with all the glamour of a leading lady arriving for her adoring fans. After a largely inaudible but clearly heated exchange, she climbs into the gaudily painted box and gives a lame shriek of agony. She then yawns melodramatically and grins across at me. I have to admit, even though I hardly know her at all yet, I love her don't care attitude and she clearly values herself above anyone else. Right, Nan? It's Henry, one of the stagehands. He looks me up and down, and I know he is about to tease the life out of me. It's so unfair for girls. Boys get to do all the great jobs, and we get to do nothing good at all. The important role of the child again, is it? His impishness flickers in his eyes as he glances at me, then watches the onstage antics. Child skipping this time, it's a very important part, I'll have you know. He laughs, though I get the sense he is only half listening. She's a firecracker, isn't she? He's talking about Constance, who has now made it out of the cabinet alive and is balanced on one leg, with the other leg held up in the air for some reason. Yeah, Con's just fine. We're really good friends already. Are you? That's good. 
I can feel a rash coming up on my neck from this stupid outfit. I need to swim. I think of plunging myself headfirst into the water, the coldness cleansing me, making me cool and pure and clever and new. I was wondering... What? My voice is chilled with a sharp knife edge. I hate being stopped when I'm swimming, even if I am only imagining it. There's this magic lantern show on Saturday. Do you think she'd want to go with me? I shouldn't think so. You're an idiot. He doesn't say anything. He just looks me up and down, then saunters off and chats with some of the stagehands. Dust motes sprinkle the space between us like tiny sea sparkles. The world is heavenly and beautiful and feathered, filled with possibility. I love the magic lantern show above almost everything else. I imagine the glow of the lantern slides as they light up in the darkness, the tragically beautiful women and the endlessly villainous men. I'll take B with me. It will be glorious. A screeching noise pierces my bubble, Sid's voice. Where on earth is she? Damn, I hadn't noticed the magician's act finish and I've missed my cue where I'm supposed to skip across the stage. The dancing girls have stopped hoofing away and are all staring at me and whispering behind their hands. The jaunty piano music has halted. There's nothing theatre people like more than a good show, whether it is scripted or no. I take a few teetering steps onto the stage, trying not to twist my ankle in the grooves in the floor they slide the scenery on. I feel smaller than the child I'm dressed up to be. Nancy, my love. Where have you been? His face is danger red, his lips blue white and snarling. Doesn't take much to make him apoplectic, especially from me. I... My words give up on me, my throat's as dry as a tailor's chalk and getting drier by the second. I'm sorry, Sid. A voice rings out clear as a bell from behind me. It's just I needed help to stitch these back up with a stupid sordid sword through them again. Constance holds up a pair of her bloomers, which are now sliced through at the front. The dancers fall about in a hilarity, breaking the atmosphere, and even Sid conjures a toothy guffaw. I didn't realise it was her cue coming up. Oh, I didn't realise it was her cue coming up. My fault entirely. Sorry, doll. She tosses her hair flirtatiously. I can make it up to you if you like, Sid. Someone in the wings gives a whip whoo and there's a fresh round of hysterics. Sid's grin spreads from one oily ear to the other and only people who know him as well as I do would realise it was an act. It's fine, Constance my sweet, he simpers at her. But we must let the lesser girls do their bit. I hate to be made fun of like this, like I'm nothing. Less than nothing. Just make sure you don't do it again. There's an edge to his voice that everyone recognises. Sid never has to tell people twice. Constance licks her scarlet lips slowly, then smiles. I wouldn't dream of it, Sid. 
As she turns away from him, she rolls her eyes at me. She doesn't realise that Sid can see her expression in the piano's, piano player's mirror, but I do. I catch the spite in his quickly covered reaction. She'll pay for this. Nancy, office. It seems my time as a small girl skipping is over for the day and I know I should be happy, but I'm filled with dread.